Welcome to Cross Section, conversations at the intersection of faith, news and culture. Welcome to Series 3 of Cross Section. We are picking up and starting this series after what has been some of the most dramatic 10 days of British history. We've had a new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, come into office And on Thursday, the 8th of September, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II died just two days after welcoming in her 14th Prime Minister. The proceedings and traditions that have taken place since have dominated much of our newsfeed here in the UK, not only because the death of a monarch is a huge event, not only because she is the longest reigning monarch we have ever had, but in part because very few people alive have ever seen this process before as well as many other notable characteristics, interests and achievements, the Queen has been an excellent example of what it looks like to live out one's faith in public life. I personally was struck listening to the radio on Thursday evening as the commentators said that the only book she had ever endorsed in her entire life was the one published by the Bible Society called The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. While she has now laid down her crown at the feet of her king and is living in a far better kingdom. So, Peter Linus, what do you think about the black suits and the sombre tones that we've seen this past week? Appropriate? Uh, Well, I feel like I'm in trouble now with my full title, Peter Linus. So, uh, I think, yeah, there's there's a real balance of two things there, isn't there? We've got the grief and the thanksgiving, and many of us who've navigated. Uh, funerals uh, for family members or others have, have tried to kind of get that balance too. Somebody is dead. Sometimes we want to skip that language. Uh, some, someone's passed or they're mm. gone. You're like, no, they're dead. That's a grieving moment. And thus the black suits and the somber at times. But it's also Thanksgiving, as you said, with the, the mention of the Bible Society book, this is a life well lived. The Queen was really clear, not just that she had a faith in an abstract term, that she loved Jesus. She's with Jesus now. And so there's a a celebration of a life well lived. She was 96. She fitted in a lot. So I think we're trying to navigate both aspects of grief and thanksgiving. Yeah, it's so true that that being sensitive to the fact that a lot of people are in genuine mourning, not least her family, whilst thinking as a Christian, viewing a Christian, what a way to go. She was kind of living her life normally to an extent until two days before she died. And then she's in glory. But yes, that is very, that's very much from my perspective as a Christian. Alicia, there's, I won't give you your full name. I was trying to, I was trying to ease in any new listeners we might have, but they can work it out as we go along. Alicia, there has been mixed feelings about some, about the amount of coverage that the Queen's death has received. And I wonder if I could uh, pick your brain on that subject. Yeah, there's definitely a generational, I'd say, divide in engaging in this historical moment. Some of my non-Christian friends in kind of pretty much the same day that it was announced that she passed were sharing things on social media, kind of reusing news and headlines to talk about, but what about other issues or kind of the portraits of the Queen that are uh, on display where she's there, I think, uh, on the day that she was crowned as Queen saying, making kind of a, a racial justice point and advocating, advocating point about this is a queen and a monarch and a dynasty that has 
a crown that comes from different parts of the Commonwealth. Uh, and so it, it definitely is a, a political moment for uh, younger people, particularly those of, of no faith. But also there's been other seismic news that's happening that isn't getting the coverage uh, in the same way that it that it might have done. We've got hospital appointments for those who are desperately needing either cancer scans or others have been cancelled because of overwhelming of uh, the NHS and kind of allowing staff to to go to the procession or to show the respects. We've had a news headline yesterday that kind of made me slightly upset that food banks are closing uh, from Sunday evening through to Tuesday morning. Again, there are some communities, some individuals and families for which food banks are an essential service and provision. Uh, On the 13th of this month, so two days ago, would have marked 48 years or rather Stephen Lawrence would have been 48 years old. And so I've seen a lot of that on my social media of what about this story? What about the government? What about policing? Uh, Which is a conversation that will come on uh, Mm. later on and other headlines of homeless people being moved on. So there's a real divide of opinion in how to engage in this moment, how to, one, celebrate and honour someone that's given over 70 years of their life to public service, but also to deal with the nation is also grieving on different terms. So it's definitely a a difficult moment uh, for the nation on that front. Yeah, there's always a battle for headlines in a sense of what is the biggest story? What should be the biggest story is another question. Danny, what are your thoughts? Our final our final panelists here on the show. Danny, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's I think it's fascinating how as a nation we're seeking to work out how to navigate this and what that means and what that looks like. So that there are the highly uh, ceremonial aspects of it. There was the session council. There are the various proclamations and Thanksgiving services as the as the new king visits all of the nations of the United Kingdom. So there are the formal parts of it. But then there are the kind of the informal things that are being worked out almost on the fly in terms of how people are responding to it. Uh, what's closing? What's not closing? Uh, what's an appropriate way of marking respect? And what is a slightly trivial uh, thing that causes people to almost, uh, in a in a way that brings a little light relief to a very difficult topic, find it slightly comical that Morrison's muted the beeps on their tails as a mark of respect or the the toy vehicles in a supermarket lobby has been turned off as a mark of respect. I saw a cycle rack that's been closed as a mark of respect and Centre Parks uh, got it drastically wrong early this week when, first of all, they wanted to kick everyone out of their chalets for 24 hours and then said that they could come there but they had to stay inside their chalets. So I think people have been wrestling with what it means to to mark this in an appropriate way and and the like the queue the the queue to see the lying in state has almost become this feature of the national mourning like yes they're queuing to file past the queen's coffin but almost the queue itself has become something very british uh in in all of this processing so i, I find it fascinating and i think we are wrestling for what it looks like as a nation to have this collective moment of of grief mm. Yeah, and it's that kind of age-old thing, or maybe not age-old, maybe recent age-old, that that we kind of, as a society, don't really know what to do with death, don't know how to process it. There are different responses to death. We are going to come on later to the story of Chris Caber. I, I think it's worth kind of saying, obviously, the death of the Queen, that is a, a 
historic event because she was reigning for so long and and she had such a, a wide reach as it were but still in that simplest in the simplest sense not knowing how to respond when someone dies not knowing how to process it Peter do you think there's kind of is is there an evangelistic moment there like how we always are looking to answer the question on this podcast that we want to add something as Christians to the conversation that's going on so when our friends are talking about how sad it is or whatever people might be saying, what can we as Christians say in this moment? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to go back to those two things. I think the death thing, as you've highlighted, is really interesting. So you've got 10 days of quite a strong kind of focus on death. And, and we don't like that generally. We, we don't like to think about death that much. The, the pandemic did something similar and forced it up into our agenda. And we've got a national funeral coming. We're going to look to someone like the Archbishop of Canterbury. I want to be praying for him in this moment as he kind of leads a nation mm. through grief. It's been very Christian in its response because of the Queen's faith. I think that's really interesting, all these services. and But also the Thanksgiving, the little vignette or story I'd say on some of the, the kind of pushback is the Queen in Northern Ireland is a very kind of potentially polarizing figure, but actually she has transcended that. So the, the tiny bit of history, just very quick, of course, is that, I mean, half of the Northern Ireland is, is Republican, doesn't want a monarchy and wants to go back and away from British rule and, and very strongly made a terrorist, uh, you know, a whole period of terrorism around that. And part of that also involved uh, the IRA blowing up uh, Lord Mountbatten, who was Prince Philip's uncle, the Queen's mm. second cousin. You know. So you've got her then shaking hands with Martin McGuinness. She led the reconciliation. So this is the Thanksgiving for her faith piece. I want to say she led that. And actually the response then has been very interesting in Northern Ireland uh, amongst parties who would very strongly politically differ from the Queen and the royal family in their views still welcome them because she made the first move. And so what I want to do is make sure we do talk about that and also her faith. Sometimes Christians were almost nervous. So in this moment, I think there's two ways we can, we can say that. Churches have really opened up. People have been coming. This has brought grief to the fore. Two or three conversations I've had where people have been almost kind of triggered about their own grief. So let's create the space for that. Yeah. And absolutely celebrate into the Queen's life. And I think as we as we celebrate the Queen's life and as we celebrate the incredible reign that she has had over the last 70 years, I think it's interesting how the conversation has largely focused and probably not that surprisingly on the Queen's reign, but it was also turning attention to how King Charles will rule. He has been the heir for uh, virtually all of his 70 of the 73 years he's been alive. He has had more than most people's normal working life waiting for the role that he is now coming into. So as a as a 73-year-old, he is starting his ma- life's main job. And that's really, really quite strange. And And he has... He has had to navigate what it means to be the the heir to the crown for all that time. He has been more vocal on many issues than people thought perhaps appropriate for the monarch. So how he navigates some of those issues will be interesting. But I think he has started, in, and it's been interesting seeing him meeting people, when, whether it was in, in Westminster, in Scotland, in Northern Ireland, he's uh, in Wales as well, uh, meeting people, uh, seeking to start his reign in a way that will uh, will address some of those concerns. It's interesting that automatically his approval ratings have shot through the roof. I think people had many questions prior to him coming to the throne. And now people think much more warmly of him because he is in that place. And obviously the transition with his mother's death people have huge amounts of personal sympathy for someone who loses 
their their mum, whose mum dies. Uh, but also, it is interesting to how he will be king. And I think it's really important that as we as we give thanks for the queen's life, we also pray for the king as he begins to rule and all of that that looks like. Yeah, for sure. And it it's going to be it's going to. There's lots of speculation about where. Uh, King, sorry, King Charles stands faith-wise, and I'm sure I, I, w- I was encouraged in his first speech as King, the way he talked about his faith, about that being grounded in the church. We'll see what we hear from him, but yeah, definitely worth praying for him. And I think something something I've just been thinking about, the Queen was so good at taking an opportunity to speak about her faith in Jesus. And this week, when I was with friends who aren't Christians, and they were saying, oh, it's so sad. And I said, oh, yes, but she's in, you know, she's a, she wasn't scared of death. She's in a better place now. Actually, I could, we can go a lot further than that. And I guess I think the challenge is to not just sort of say little half-hearted sentiments like that. But actually, the Queen trusted Jesus. And I believe that she's with him now. And, and that's the best place she could be. Oh, so easy to say on a podcast to however many listeners, much harder to do in real life. I'm going to, I'm going to, we could talk about this for a lot more time than we are now. And I'm sure we'll pick it up in weeks to come, but let's go on to our second story, which is another, is another significant death that has happened in recent days. It's the death of Chris Caber, the 24 year old who was unarmed and was killed in Streatham Hill, South London on the 5th of September. He was a rapper, he was due to become a father, and he was stopped by the police following a pursuit. His car had been flagged because of a number plate recognition camera, and he was shot and died in hospital about two hours later. The Independent Office for Police Conduct began a murder investigation on Friday, and while on Monday, the Met said that the officer who shot the 24-year-old has been suspended. The family are asking for body cam image and to know exactly what happened the night that Chris Caber died. This is a complex story. There are lots of details that are still unknown. But Alicia, I wondered if I could come to you first and ask for your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's an incredibly uh, difficult story. Monday the 5th, coincided with the day that Liz Trust was announced as new Prime Minister. Uh, On that Friday was the new installation of the new Met Police Commissioner. Uh, And there's just so many unknowns around this case. It's hard to be objective in this. Naturally, when I hear of a young black male that his died at the hands or under police custody. I always go back to my time working with young people and the conversations that I had with young black men about their distrust in policing in inner city communities and just a sense of frustration, how long. I've seen quite a few headlines that draw on parallels of Mark Duggan, though the cases are very different. That was another incident in 2011 of a young man who also died in police custody. Uh, The facts of the case completely different. But that sense of when will this change? And I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, uh, the 13th of September marks Stephen Lawrence's birthday uh, and that sense of kind of a young black man and policing. So it's highly emotional for 
particularly the black community in London. It coincided on Saturday where family members and kind of those who are advocating and in this space doing a march around uh, number 10 Downing Street and media headlines and Sky misappropriating that as a, a kind of vigil for the Queen. There's just a lot of a lot of anger and a lot of a grief at the moment of Death is always a difficult space to navigate, but when there's that issue of race and policing involved in it, it's very emotionally charged, I would say. So, yeah, it's very hard to be objective on this story in that sense. I think it's the, the juxtapositioning then of the two stories has been, you know, people have been highlighting that. Like, what's the, the reaction to the Queen, the reaction to this story? There's, there's, there's timing around that. We've got a new Met uh, chief commissioner appointed, I think, within days of that. And, you know, I think it is really, it is complicated because what's, what's our heart in this moment is to see justice. That justice, we've said, it, I think, before on this is about the two aspects, the right relationships. So how do we frame right relationships so that incidents like this aren't happening? And our colleagues on the ground have been t- talking with church leaders in that space. But also there's a judgment punishment aspect to, ju- to justice in the Bible. And like, we want to see justice done in this moment. Like, did somebody break the law did somebody operate absolutely outside of what what they should have been doing and they're they're we don't know we have to be clear about that but there are indications and it's gone to the through the the proper channels Uh, we have a council coming up on racial justice because this is an issue i'm going to say from where i am where where it has been less prominent Uh, and i remember talking to somebody our last council about this i mean i was trained as a lawyer raised and, and worked as a lawyer uh i prosecuted and been in that space so if a policeman stops me it never crosses my mind that the encounter is going to end any other way than well, because I understand my rights and what it looks like to engage in that space. And it was really helpful to speak and to realize how different those encounters are experienced. And you ha- I think we have to own that. I have to say that's been my experience. So I have a view then that is different. And I now need to hear a different set of views to understand how you'd write very differently in those situations. And then we've got to help navigate it because we've got we've got members who are in churches in those areas and we've got members who are in the Christian Police Association. We want to see right and justice being done. But that is a more complex um, situation and we're going to have to wait a little bit but understand some of the real passion involved in this moment, uh, which mm. is it's definitely, it's a hard situation to, to navigate. Yeah, I think it's so important to acknowledge our own biases when we come into these things. Like for, for myself, I have a very good friend who happens to be a Christian, who's in the Met Police. And that that will obviously colour my view in different ways. Whilst at the same time, I, 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 guess, I guess like in many of these situations where we've talked about whether either is abuse or potential for abuse or an accusation of abuse of power or wrongdoing, we've got to put uh, our own biases to one side and ultimately seek justice and the truth and want, regardless of how it might hurt us, as it was, we want the truth to come out and to know really what did happen. And if there were, yeah, where wrongs have been done for those to be corrected. Danny, do you want to come in on that? I think I would want to reiterate that. I think, as you and Peter both said, I think my tendency is to trust the process and say the process needs to uh, take place. Uh, There's an inquiry. We need to wait and find out what happened. But the problem is, is that, not everyone feels they can trust the process because processes haven't always worked in the way that they should and therefore there is hesitancy about saying that and that's why the the need to put pressure to ensure that 
what happened is known, that whether it's the, the body cam footage or details of what took place. I think it is important that we know that and, and we can't just glibly say, let's trust the process because it's not as easy mm. as that. I think my other thought is just to reflect back on the Queen. The Queen died uh, t- at an age and we could say that she led a long life. She led a life with mm. incredible um activity throughout her reign and this was this was a man who was 24 who was about to become a father i think the way we respond to death in different contexts will inevitably be different and i think therefore the sense that something has been taken away is far more acute when someone dies in those situations yeah absolutely i'm sure this will be a story again that we pick up in coming weeks this is always the challenge with cross-section we try to cover three big stories from the week from the week gone but there is always so much news that we could speak into I'm very aware that this on this episode we're not even really going to going to talk about what's going on in Ukraine at the moment even though there's massive stuff going on there but we do our best please follow us on social media which is at EAUK News on Twitter or Evangelical Alliance on Instagram we would love to know what it is that you want us to be talking about at the moment do email us cross.section at eauk.org. Let us know what we should be talking about. Our last story this week, we've mentioned it a couple of times. We have a new prime minister as of last week, Liz Truss, after what she referred to as the longest interview in human history, something like that. And I guess it sort of feels like it's gone to the back burner because of everything that's happened since. But we do have a new government I'm really aware that your job as, oh, she hates it when I name drop it, but here we go, head of public policy for the Evangelical Alliance. A huge part of your job is forming connections with our government, building relationships, particularly with Christian MPs, but beyond that as well. And so I just, I was just wondering how much does it feel like you're having to sort of start from scratch again, start your job all over again, or is that, is that not the case? No, it 100% is the case. In kind of an internal team meeting with Danny, I was saying it feels like a general election moment in that not only is it a new prime minister, it's an entirely new cabinet, a cabinet that less confident on key policy issues, their direction of travel. So that level of predicting what would come next or their judgment or what steps they'll take. And also it's a waiting game. I mean, Parliament sat for a day on Wednesday in kind of that parliamentary business. And then Thursday came and it's not sat and it's unclear when they will sit again. So there's no scrutiny or conversation around the immediate need in the nation, which is rising energy costs and inflation and cost of living crisis. So there's a lot of a lot of reading and waiting <laughs> to see what comes out of that. So it's a very difficult time. Yeah, and, and people will have had their own gut reactions to the new prime minister and the new cabinet she's formed peter i can i can see you chomping at the bit go on what were you gonna say no i re- I, I want to know more from these guys because they're more on the ground like is that the less confident if i was listening i'd be going oh, i wonder what you mean by less co-. like why is that just that we don't know are there signs are there particular areas that we would be concerned about i'd love to hear from either danny or Alyssa just a little bit more about Where's the red flags or even concerns at the minute? Is it just uncertainty? Or- I think there's a there's a lot of uncertainty. The government are pausing multiple pieces of legislation, uh, and then they were doing that already. And then we have the the additional uh, hiatus because of the the Queen's death. So I I'd been on holiday for two weeks. 
I was expecting to come back to, right, okay, new prime minister, new government, what's happening? Obviously, we're not doing that because of this period of mourning. And there is now a slightly strange few weeks ahead in that Parliament may sit for a couple of days next week, but then it will break again for party conferences. We have Labour Party conference starting in just over a week's time. Uh, That was to be the time when they brought pressure on this new government, uh, where they highlighted how they were going to uh, oppose what they were doing, Mm -hmm. how they were going to set out their alternative ideas. And, And they have a really tricky task of wanting to do that, but also wanting to do so in a way that is still respectful of the fact that earlier that week will have been the funeral of the Queen. So there's just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, We have the Bill of Rights that has been pulled uh, to all intents and purposes. Now, the government may well bring back fresh proposals in this area. There are some areas of that that we may welcome a revised approach, some areas where we might be quite concerned about how they address that. One of the areas on our horizon was the schools bill. And again, that's been paused. Uh, That is still in the middle of Parliament. Uh, uh, The House of Lords haven't finished their deliberation. The House of Commons haven't started their consideration of that. But the government paused that. So there are just a few areas where we're just not sure what's coming next. And also that where we are in the election cycle means that a general election will probably take place sometime in 2024. So you start to view all of what the government is doing as them setting out their stall for that election. So over the next 12 months, we'll get a much better idea of what the contours will be for that election campaign. It's also worth adding that the the Queen's death and how Parliament has been on pause, there's an uncertainty of how this will impact the vision of the government, the kind of impetus of Liz Trust and the cabinet to to get either those pieces of legislation back on the on the kind of parliamentary business or whether they want to set out in a different direction. Do they come back lethargic? Do they come back with a heaviness? Let us not remember forget that the lying in state is taking place in Westminster Hall. So I, I can only imagine what it's like for parliamentary staff where that is normally their working place and business, not only have they had a summer recess, but they've returned also to a momentous event. There might be lethargy, there might be tiredness, as well as that other getting to know cabinet officials and their advisors. It's going to be an interesting time and uncertain time of, of how kind of the government get going after party conferences. Can either of you give me before we end this episode, just one one thing from this new this new cabinet that gives you hope. One thing that you think, oh, that might be a good thing for Christians or for society at large. Just just one. I'll let you I'll let you look amongst yourselves and decide who's going with that. Well, I guess the small the small thing, the fact that there has been a pause on all these kind of legislative pieces means that there is an openness to really reflect on what was the previous government and their peers' direction of travel, which the small hope that I have is that, okay, there's a a God moment that they are prepared to listen, to engage possibly, prayerfully, with uh, members and particularly us at the Evangelical Alliance across policy issues. So that's probably my small window of hope that they're not wanting to steam ahead, but they're wanting to pause back and to to review, is this the right policy at the right time, with the right direction of travel, yeah? My glimmer of hope uh, would be that they, they have announced some proposals around of 
energy bills. It's not as much as people might want, but it is a significant intervention. And we haven't had enough scrutiny because literally Liz Truss, I think, found out about the Queen's death or a likely death almost as she was starting to make those announcements. So we need more scrutiny of what that looks like. But I do hope that the government are in a mood to take measures that will make a significant difference to help people uh, with the pressure that they are facing both this winter and in the longer term. Well, thank you both. Thank you for your insight as always. Thanks as well to Peter for being with us. And as we go about this next week, until next week's episode of Cross Section, as there is more going on with the Queen, I encourage you to think about 1 Thessalonians, where we are told that we do not grieve as the world grieves. I encourage you to think about the sure foundation, the sure hope that the Queen had in Jesus and to speak boldly about that as she did this week. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Cross Section. Thank you to Chris Ringland, as always, for post-production. And we will see you next week. Cross Section. Conversations at the intersection of faith, news and culture.